Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio, your spot in the corner office, the radio show where executives share their secrets to success. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the offices of Radio America. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-hosts, Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Daniel Patterson, Brunch Digital, Dwayne Deason, The Efficacy Group, and Alan Bartholomus, People Stretch. And let's see, Mark, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Sure, Herb. Today we have Corey Neal, president of K. Neal Truck and Bus Center, Matt Kaywood, CEO of Transit Screen. Richard Spires, CEO of Learning Tree International, and Joe Saunders, founder and CEO of Run Safe Security. Let's get to know our first guest, who is Corey Neal, president of Kneel Truck and Bus Center. Corey, what is Kneel Truck and Bus Center? What are you guys doing? Uh, Kneel Truck and Bus Center is a full-service commercial truck and bus dealership uh, located in the Washington metropolitan area. How large or how small is the organization? Uh, just under 100 people. And how old is it? Uh, 15 years, second generation is me. Uh, you're the Second generation. Where are you from originally? Uh, it's Washington metropolitan area. Uh, how many brothers and sisters? Uh, one older sister. One older sister. What was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? 8 to 14 years old, um, I was an athlete, a large kid, uh, struggling to find my identity in a, you know, a world full of expectations. What do you mean uh, trying, trying to find your identity in a world full of expectations? Who was doing expectations on you? Um, you know, I come from a family where uh, my father is was a great man, a man of integrity, a man of leadership and a man of success and uh, being an uh, 8 to 14 year old kid you look up to your father and you're trying to always you know beat him for lack of better words mm-hmm. Andrew Corey what uh, what was your favorite sport growing up uh, definitely basketball and what what was your role in that team what position um, I played center for the team oh, okay so uh, in that role uh what was what was your yeah, what, what was the theme did you yeah, what was the personality trait yeah what was the personality point? trait you took from that um, being on that team being a center um, I was a husky guy as always so I was the protector of the team Is, um, is I guess that was my role you had mentioned in the green room about I, I protect my people, I protect my family, and, and how does that theme correlate to your role as president today? Um, I think that you know, as a leader of my organization, my you know my role is to protect my people. I, I'm there to lead my people, to grow my people, to, uh, to find my people's passion, and protect them. Huh, how about that? You see, right, you see, protection is part. Didn't uh, Andrew? Didn't uh, doesn't Corey have some sort of a, a professional sports background as well? well he, he does. So um, you, you had transitioned. Uh, although basketball is your favorite, you were a pretty decent football player. Uh, as we were talking in the green room, yeah, and you where, have where'd you play football? Where'd you play football? Uh, I played at Eastern Michigan. Played left tackle, protector's position. If anything uh-huh. else, how about some of the uh, some of the uh, sports teams that we might know? What teams did you play on? Um, fortunately, uh, fortunately after Eastern. I uh, went on to go to a training camp with the Washington Redskins to play on a practice squad with the Carolina Oh, Panthers. you did, huh? All right, Alex. So, Dad had a lot of impact. What was Mom's impact on you, 8 to 14? Uh, mom's impact um, was sacrifice. Uh, my mother was an, uh, an incredibly successful woman when she met my father, lucky him. And she ended up giving up her whole career to raise both me and my sister. And how have you taken that lesson into being a president, and how have you applied sacrifice? 
um, in my organization today, um, and my people and my family, or the totality, everybody knows that other than my faith and my morals, I'm willing to sacrifice anything for their success. Your faith, you bring faith to work? Every single day. What are you talking about? Um, you know, faith guides me, guides my decision, and um, I look for my faith to continue to guide my decisions. All right, just want to make sure I understood. Daniel? Yeah, so um, why don't we talk a little bit about the first time you, you really started making money uh, when you were growing up. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, first real job at the dealership was at 16, um, you know, being that guy, that porter, uh, doing the dirty work in the dealership, to say the least. What, what are you talking about? I thought your family was running this business. You were in there and you were, you know, getting your, your elbows dirty and, and really kind of doing the work? Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, um, I didn't get the silver spoon treatment. <laughs> um, I got the greasy spoon treatment at working in uh, doing dealerships, gas, gasoline changes, oil changes, um, oh, the whole nine. That's good stuff. So so you really have, have been where your employees have been. How, how does that help you manage and, and be the president today? Um, I I think it allows uh, me to know every job in the organization, but I think it also gained the respect of everyone um, in the organization. Um, coming in, being a second generation, people expect that, the silver spoon, but everybody knows that wasn't my treatment. Yeah, you, you worked for it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dwayne? Uh, you mentioned in the green room early on um, in your in, you know, when you were kind of 8 to 14, you weren't always the best athlete and sometimes did the bench thing. I was just curious, you always, but you did say you had leadership positions there. And how, how were you able to get the confidence and respect of, of your teammates if you weren't the best at, uh, athlete? Um, what, you know, one of the things I've always prided myself on is leading without a position. Um, and you can do that simply by being the first person there, being the cheerleader on the team, being that guy, that sexy example for others um, and you know I've always prided myself on that well how'd you do that give us an example um, I was always first guy there I was always a guy that my teammates could lean on I was always that guy that my teammates knew that if something went bad they could call me and I'd be there for them huh how about that Mark yeah, what kind of major influences other than your family did you have growing up? Um, other than my family, you know, the, the greatest influence that influence on me is definitely a guy by the name of Kurt Anderson, my offensive line coach in college. And, and how did what was the influence that he had on you? Um, he taught me how to be a man, um, and I saying that my parents didn't, but he took more uh, time to teach me to be a man than he did to teach me to be a football player. What do you mean he taught you to be a man? What are you talking about there? Uh, responsibility, accountability, uh, real leadership, um, and taking control and, you know, being a man. Huh. Mark? Uh, um, what kind of, what did you imagine yourself as a 10-year-old? You know, what did you sort of see yourself as as an adult? Um, surely not the person I am today, but, you know, as a 10-year-old, I probably saw myself working in a grocery store or something of like that. Um, never, you know, huge expectations of myself. Just always trying to find my way, for lack of better words. Does that surprise you, where you are today? Uh, every Compared day. Compared to where you throw? Mm-hmm. Every single day. So have you found your way? Um, being 28 years old, uh, I would say definitely not. Uh, I think that I'm on the way to finding my passion in life. What are you talking about? What do you mean? I mean, you know, you played on a professional sports team. I mean, you've, you've done a lot with your life. What do you mean? Um, you know, to bring a full circle, I guess I'm still trying to live up to dad's expectations. Um, it's still there with me today, and I'm still working to do that. Huh. You want your dad to be proud of you? Uh, probably a number two thing on my list. What's the number one thing on your list? Family. Uh-huh. Is dad still around nowadays? Uh, every morning, 4 a.m. <laughs> what do you mean 4 a.m.? Uh, that's the time me and him get started every day together. You and your dad get into work at 4 a.m. every day. 5 a.m., 4 a.m. call to talk about what's going on in the drive a drive to work. Wow. So you guys go to work together? Every day. 
Uh-huh. And this is a business, it's second generation. You guys are probably a pretty profitable business where, you know, you don't have to work that hard, but you are? Um, hard work has gotten us where we have, and faith has gotten us where we have, and we can continue to do those two things. Hard work and faith. Didn't you say earlier that you're married? Or you, are you married or single? Uh, married in October. Uh-huh. You're married in October. Uh-huh. And uh, why'd you choose the woman you chose? Um, she helps me be who I am today. Excuse me? She helps me be who I am today. I would not be myself if it was not for her. Wait a minute. Uh, I thought you told me that, you know, you, you had a coach. This um, Kurt Anderson had a lot to do with attorney. So your wife has a lot to do with affecting you? So while Kurt Anderson taught me how to be a man, he missed teaching me how to love. And if you don't love what you do, if you don't have your passion, if you don't love your passion, if you don't love your people, if you don't have the energy of love in your organization, I think that you struggle to find success. How's your wife affected your running the business? Um, I spent more hours there now, I can tell you that much. Uh, but how about in terms of this love thing and, and how you view business differently? I think that I view it differently because her insight and her difference of opinion affects me. So I'm able to take that to the workplace. So now I not only have my opinions and my experiences, I also have her intellect, her experience, her experiences that I bring to my people. Uh-huh. Who's got the next question here? In the Grammy, you talked about adversity and change and pursuing football as a, as a path. Can, can you elaborate a little bit on that adversity and change? Because it, it, it sounds like you've had quite an adventure, but the listeners would love to hear about that story, that kind of emblemizes that. So as a, as a youth, I was big. Um, and I'm... As a size, um, and my father's about six foot nine, so everybody thought I'd be a basketball player. Unfortunately, I never grew, and I still wanted to find my way to kind of check that box of expectation for my family. Um, end up playing football and end up, you know, finding my way and, you know, became a leader on that team. So it's kind of full circle in a sense. Uh huh. What's the best part of your day? Uh, the best part of my day is waking up in the morning and having the opportunity to lead and, you know, do. The best part of your day is waking up in the morning, and have, but it's just a lot of adversity and problems. Yeah, I think adversity and problems is the, you know, is one of is probably the second best part of my day. I'm, I'm an operator. I'm a purist. Oper, I'm an operator at my purest moment. What so. do you mean an operator? What are you talking about? I'm here to fix problems. I get joy out of fixing problems. You get what kind of you get joy? What do you mean by that? There's no, there's nothing better for me to go to work, identify a problem, help someone get through it. Um, it's you know talking what, about what's, what's the website address of this organization? Uh, KNILTBC.com. Let me know that one more time. It's K N E A. KNILTBC.com. We've been speaking with Corey Neal, president of KNIL Truck and Bus Center here on Executive Leaders Radio. Want to help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, Email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. 
We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Matt Kaywood, CEO of Transit Screen. Matt, what is Transit Screen? What are you guys doing? We provide software uh, that has live information about all kinds of transportation. So it's a metro, bus, Uber, bikes, scooters, you name it. If you see a screen in the lobby of a building that has that information, that's us. Wow. Uh, where are you from originally? I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin until I was 11, then moved to Chicago. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? Younger sister and a younger brother. Uh-huh. So what was the effect of this move uh, when you were a kid? Ultimately, it opened up a lot of opportunities. Uh, I moved to a, a, a city and a, a high school that had a lot of different extracurriculars I could get involved in. I had people I was doing computer stuff with. I joined Boy Scouts, got involved in debate, and traveled nationally at a pretty young age in high school. Wait a minute. All right. This is sort of How young were you when you started coming up with ideas? Uh, probably when I was, you know, six or, or seven, I was playing with computers, uh, writing software on computers. And, uh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, just kind of discovering things for the first time that were new to me that, that maybe people had seen before. But, you know, I had an adventure game. I wanted a monster to appear there, figure it out. And it was just, you know, glorious. How, how did it make you feel when you came up with an idea and you made it happen? You know, that's the kind of thing where you kind of you, you almost want to walk away from the keyboard and say, you know, this this really feels nice. Uh, what's that have to do with your uh, with your building this thing called transit screen? Well, the transit screen was always something I was interested in, transportation, helping people get around. Um, I, I used to travel. Uh, I was a Ph.D. student, got a Ph.D. in neuroscience, and I was coming back from the lab late at night. I just wanted something to tell me where to go to take the bus and when the bus was coming. And so when I realized that the technology was all there to bring that information together and this was something that, that I could use myself, it really um, it, it gave me a passion to deliver it to others. Wait a minute. Are you telling me the transit screen is the one place that I can look where it tells me the best way to get from here to there. That's right, and and the right time to leave, and and all your options. Where, what, and when. Uh, what a pleasure. Uh, let's see who's got the next question here. I think uh, Daniel. Yeah. So Matt, let's um, let's talk a little bit about you know the the childhood friends that you had when you when you moved. Uh, what what kind of a, a role were you taking in that in that group, and, and what were you guys doing together? Yeah, we spent a lot of time uh, you know on on computers, uh, doing some minorly hacking with computers, and and playing games, and you know writing software. Um, you know, I was always one of the people kind of bringing new ideas and new technology to, to the group. I had, you know, a, a Commodore Amiga, which was this cutting edge thing for, you know, uh, gaming and programming. And I, I was always the one bringing in some of the, the newest stuff to, to them. Yeah. So you didn't know it at the time, but you were really prepping for, for transit screen back when you were a kid and, and kind of talking with all your buddies. Yeah, it was a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, one of my roles is kind of to be product visionary and, and see what the next thing is. Not all my ideas are great ideas, but, uh, you know, some of them were have well one of them was at least <laughs> mark you had a productive childhood um, what kind of books or media did you consume uh, I, I read a lot uh, I read some fantasy science fiction Lord of the Rings was was my favorite there uh, I read some literary fiction uh, Hemingway farewell to arms another another good one for me is there any character or, or event that you sort of carry with you over time for sure I mean I, I always identified with these uh, these heroic quest type stories right uh, you know Joseph Campbell type stories uh, Star Wars and the like uh, Frodo Baggins clearly and uh, Robert Jordan and, and uh, Farewell Tarms you know the, uh, uh, I'm sorry for whom the bell tolls it doesn't always end up in the in the, in the you know uh, winning but uh, you end up with a situation where Andrew yeah 
Uh, tell me about uh, who your biggest influence was, mom or dad. Uh, probably my dad. Uh, he was a professor of business. Uh, we uh, we did a lot of stuff together. We used to play chess at, at night. Uh, he uh, really gave me my first job when we were parking cars for Big Ten football games. People would drive in and we'd fill up the parking lot, take the money, and then uh, buy scalp tickets and go to the game. And so you learned a little bit of uh, business savvy from dad and uh, some creativity as well. Uh, for sure. We had to be a little bit creative uh, you know, with the pricing, with uh, how far away we were from the stadium with whether we were going to park people in or not after the game we were a little creative mm-hmm. Dwayne uh, you mentioned your father was a uh, professor. Do you still do you, did that make you feel um, academic pressure? Do you do you still feel that pressure? Uh, I think I always thought that I was going to be a professor, uh, you know, a, a scientist, a physicist, or a neuroscientist before I took the turn into uh, technology. A lot of that pressure, uh, you know, indirectly probably came from my father. It was some of it was uh, very you know self applied at an early age as well. Mm-hmm. Alex, what impact did mom have in those eight to fourteen? Uh, my mom had a lot of impact. She was a uh, Spanish teacher, and she quit to, to raise uh, me and my siblings. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom is a, uh, a good listener, and um, she has a style where she really relates to people um, and, and, and builds rapport. Um, that's probably more my leadership style than, than my dad. My dad's a big talker. He likes to fill the room. Mm-hmm. So how are you applying today what you learned from mom? I think, um, you know, being able to really sit down with someone and understand what their motivations are, what their issues are, what they're going through, um, you know, being able to empathize with them in the moment. I think that's something that I learned from my mom. Now, in the Grim, you talked about how she would take you to all these different activities. When you got to high school, um, at what point did the activities start to uh pressure you or get overwhelming? I never really felt pressured by them. Um, one of the, the first things that happened to me in high school was I was uh, I was a freshman. I was taking uh, advanced placement calculus. I got a D minus my first quarter. Uh, and uh, it was it was I was 13 years old. It was it was a lot to take on. I was also playing football at the time and had no you know energy. So that kind of put me on a path where I was never going to be valedictorian of my school. And that took a lot of pressure off to just be a pure academic success. That meant I could concentrate on the things I thought were, were really interesting, whether it was debate or um, uh, quiz bowl or, or other competitions. Um, I was always very competitive. Andrew? So uh, going back to your move and, and bringing it to transit screen, uh, when you moved to Chicago, did you ever feel like an outsider? For sure. It was a, a big social adjustment for me to go through that. Um, you know, I managed to, to find some groups uh, that were doing activities that I, I cared about, but uh, it definitely uh, forced me to kind of readjust and reintegrate. So yeah, you, th- you said earlier that uh, Transit Screen was born out of uh, grad school or, or, or college when you couldn't find your way. I, I might argue that you needed to find your way at age 11, right? Mm-hmm. You could say that. And also moving to a city that had, uh, had public transit that uh, was That's a disaster right. at the time, but it's gotten a lot better mm-hmm. since then uh, made a difference to, to my awareness of, of all these options. Yeah. Mark, do you have a question there? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, what, what does your family think of you now? 
um, I'm definitely, uh, you know, the older brother. I'm the role model for, for uh, to some extent, to my, my younger brother. He actually was around when I started the company. He was kind of our communications intern and, and helped a lot out uh, just uh, pro bono. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I still have that role in, in the family. Mm-hmm. But cool. you shared an interesting view in the green room about role models and growing up. Can you explain a little? Yeah, you know, I, I would never, um, you know, discourage people from having role models or, or mentors if they if they want to have them. I just never personally felt the need to have a really strong, you know, role model or a mentor. I always saw people, saw adults more as peers as I was growing up, perhaps because I was advanced in a lot of these ways, math and science and so on. And, um, you know, I think you can you can succeed without having to have you, mentors. You assembled, you assembled a lot of different, you assimilated a lot of different activities, extracurricular activities and adults into your life so you can chose from a bunch of mentors, it sounds like. For sure. And I learned a lot from a lot of teachers along the way. I don't want to say, you know, I, I, I wasn't paying attention, but but I don't think you need to have a singular mentor. Dwayne? Uh, you mentioned uh, your, your father being a professor. Did you ever attend his classes? And what, what did you take away from his style and what, what you learned from him? Uh, my dad was a business professor. I, I actually kind of steered away from business, as, as, as I mentioned, towards uh, science and other things. Um, but, you know, he, he's a great improviser and and extemporizer and just being able to kind of flow that was one of the things when I was debating that was one of the things I was very good at and I think I learned that from him well, what's that have to do with uh, being the CEO of Transit Screen this flowing thing well, uh, transit screen is all about maintaining a flow state when you're traveling. But, um, you know, I think more generally, uh, you have to be able to, to, you know, pitch people, to engage people, um, you know, just like we're talking right now. And it didn't come naturally to me. And, and that was something I had to learn. Well, it sounds to me like you also had a diversity of interests as a kid, which is an important as a CEO of an organization, especially where you're integrating all this information. It sounds like you were integrating a lot of information back when you were a kid. Same thing you're doing nowadays. Uh, yeah, I think that's one one of my many jobs as a CEO is to be able to, you know, be the, the nervous system of the organization to take that information in and, and route it to the right person without, you know, causing a whole uh, 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 gridlock. What's the website address of Transit Screen? TransitScreen.com. Let me have that one more time. TransitScreen.com. And we've been speaking with Matt Kaywood, CEO of Transit Screen, here on Executive Leaders Radio. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Back, you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Richard Spires, who's the CEO of Learning Tree International. Richard, what is Learning Tree International? What are you guys doing? Uh, Learning Tree is a $60 million uh, a year company that focuses on workforce development and training, uh, mainly in the IT, the information technology field. And how old is this company, and how long have you been the CEO? The, the company is actually 45 years old. I've been associated for five years. I was on the board of directors and then was asked to take over the company as CEO three years ago. And where are you from originally? I was uh, born in New Jersey, but my father was uh, relocated a number of times in his job, and so I also lived in uh, Colorado and Ohio. Hmm. How many brothers and sisters? I have uh, two younger sisters. And what was going on with you 8 to 14 years old? Well, the, the normal things you would expect in, in that age. But I'll I tell you, my, my father, a very, very successful engineer, worked for AT&T Bell Laboratories his whole career. 
and and he and my my mother set these expectations that were, were almost like kind of unsaid, but very very high expectations of all three of us. Mm-hmm. Alex, Rich, what impact did that have on you then that you can remember? What, well, what stands you know, it, out? It was overall a positive impact. Um, you know, I was uh, I, I was actually driven and and I a lot of pressure, but I, I guess I viewed it as positive pressure, which is very good. And how is that translated into your management style today? As well, CEO? you know, I'd like to think that I. I, I can I learned from that right um, set a, set a very high bar okay but really help people to reach that bar okay and and do it in a very positive way and and, and help people to learn themselves help people to learn themselves wait a minute it says here you're this We're a learning organization Ah, I see. So you're you're drinking your own Kool Aid, aren't you? Well, I, I I've been a CIO, a chief information officer, a couple times, and so I was on the other side. And what's the biggest thing IT organizations need? They need skilled people, and uh-huh. that's what we're all about. Mark. So growing up, how did you pick your friends? Well, I'm I'm huge, and I really learned this, uh, particularly from my father. This issue of integrity. He's a man of very high integrity, and 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 I am as well. And so this, this issue of trust and trusting people is very, very big to me as far as picking friends. Is there a story from when you were growing up? That yeah, you know, I, be careful who you pick, right? I, when I was about 10 years old, uh, with a lot of peer pressure, ended up doing some shoplifting, got caught. I mean, it was actually for, like, candy or something. But I remember that longest day of my life. Um, the, the store called my, my parents. When I got home, you can imagine what that day was like for me. With the expectations my parents set and my my father and my mother being people of high integrity, that was a very, very long day for me. So you you really got affected by that. You still remember that Oh, I remember that so well. Well, How'd that affect you? What'd that teach you? Well, I think it really taught me the importance of... You know the the truth and 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 the respect for people's goods. How, and for people how old were you? How young were you when that happened? About ten years old. Mm-hmm. Mark, why don't you take it from there? Uh, what was your role at the IRS? So I uh, I entered government. I was running their business systems modernization program, a multi billion dollar uh, uh, modernization program, and then I was asked to become their chief information officer. And how large or small was that organization? Well, uh, well, the IRS, it's about 100,000 people itself. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I had about 7,000 direct reports at that time. So you really, so you certainly got a, a deep lesson when you were a kid about integrity and about drive from your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, who's got it? Um, you, um, you had mentioned that uh, in the green room that if you got to be on your report card, someone would you'd, you'd have to kind of answer to that and be questioned. Yes. So that could provide a lot of pressure, but you, you didn't rebel like most most kids might. You instead it, it motivated you. Um, it, how do you how how did that happen? And, and do you translate that same motivation and expectations yeah, into your career? I, I give my parents tremendous credit. A lot of high expectations, and you would think that that we would rebel, but but they did it in such a I guess a loving way um, in both the own ways i mean quick story they they my father was an engineer i'm an engineer but they always said find your own passion and i, I think that's such a great and in fact that's what i tell my children all the time what find you, your own what, passion. what do you mean find your own passion what do you well i mean about? look my one of my daughters she works as a in the in, in the theater tech and lighting work and you know far far afield from what i would have expected or, or what i would have thought would have been really good yet she's She's doing great. She's 25, and she's touring in Europe right now, and it's just wonderful. So uh-huh. she found her passion, and it shows every day. 
So uh, this this passion theme seems to to kind of run through a lot of the the times in your lives. Do you yes. do you still kind of instill that in your employees nowadays when you want I, them to? I tr- I certainly try to, and in fact, we just had a, a woman who just she was uh, second in charge in our HR department, and she just got a, an offer to go to another company to become the HR director, which is her dream. And I'm so pleased for her. I know I told her, yeah, we're going to really miss you, but it, it's great that you're going to go find mm-hmm. something like that. Andrew? Uh, just to pivot, Richard, for a minute, um, you shared in the green room that uh, mom and dad got divorced um, when you were in college. And tell me about the effect of the divorce on, on you and your, your younger sister. Yeah, it, it, it really it wasn't. I mean, I, of course, I was away at college, so maybe not as much an impact on myself. But, but the three of us had to really pull together in those times. And... Uh, uh, you know, m- my parents were one are wonderful people, but you know they married so young, um, and they just you know they just were never really right for each well, other. What's fascinating to me? Do you think there yeah. was an effect, yeah. uh, you know, today in how you build your management team, but that that concept of leaning on each other? Yeah, I'm I'm very big on that. I try to really nail it, and, and teamwork is really critical. I think in, in building a high performance team, you, you got to be able to lean on each other, trust each other, have each other's backs when when you, when necessary. Do you think that, that that kind of came from the the moving around a lot? I mean, I know you said you were the big brother. Do you think yeah. that that was really what it yeah. instilled? The, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, moving around a lot, you grow up much faster, yeah. is what my sense, uh, you know, through that childhood. It's hard, right, when you're, you're 8, 10 years old moving and having to make all new friends. Makes you much more self-reliant. But I think also, in this case, uh, relied more on my sisters as well. Richard, you talked in the green room about, about pleasing your parents. Yes. W- when did you... Uh, stop pleasing them to pursue your passion? You know, that's a great question. I, I still think I try to please my parents. Don't we all? I mean, right? Isn't that part of life? Um, I, but, yeah, I went a little different direction than my father. Is. And, you know, I ended up getting into management and, and starting to love that. And then all of a sudden I'm running projects and programs. And so I'm still in the IT field, but really took a little different direction than my Richard, father. Richard, how, how young were you when you were organizing all the other kids? How young were you? <laughs> I guess I was a little bit of the leader of the neighborhood, coming about 12 years old or tell so. Us, yes. Tell us about what was happening at 12 when you were leading the neighborhood. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything really specific. Was it I mean, sports or was it some games or was it yeah, a Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was very, I was sports. I wasn't the best athlete by any means, but I, I played a, a lot. I mean, a cross country runner, track and field, those were my passions. Individual sports, right? Also mm-hmm. golf. So mm-hmm. I'm more of an individual sport guy. Uh-huh. So that's not where the team comes together. But you know what I learned more as an adult than as a kid was, again, the power of teamwork Uh when I saw it and come to play. So when you were were doing these individual sports, how did you affect the team? What personality trait did you bring to the team? Uh, I I tried to be the guy, the boy at the time, that really um, was the one that looked out for others. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, you know, helping, you know, if someone was having that bad day and, you know, trying to be a, a leader, not so much positionally, but just uh, trying to bring a maturity, hopefully, that many, I think I had more just because, again, moving around as a kid. And I tried to bring that to these sports. So these were individual sports, running, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. But you tried to bring, you tried to pull the team together. What's that have to do with what you're doing nowadays? Well, I, you know, in some ways, a lot of parallels, right? I mean, uh, you know, today, trying to build a team can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And particularly when you're dealing with a lot of diverse personalities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's magical when it happens, right? When you, when you see a high-performing team, it's, a, it's incredible you, to watch. You, you, you married or single? 
I, I am married. Uh-huh. How many yeah. years? Uh, we'll be 30 years. How many uh, kids? With, How many uh, kids uh, you well, got? I have three children myself. Three children. What's the, uh, who wears the pants in the family at home? <laughs> I guess I could say my wife, and uh-huh. she'll appreciate that comment. <laughs> What's the similarity between being a dad and being a CEO? Uh... Well, I think there are. I mean, I want to be a role model for my children, but I also want to help my children, you know, instill the values that my father and mother instilled in me, okay, but also help them to grow to the people that they, they, they can. And how about at work? How's that parallel what you're doing I, at work? I try to very, very similar, okay, at work. Um, obviously, you're not as intimate uh, with individuals at work many times, mm-hmm. but that idea of getting to know and, and really I try to talk to those that report to me, where do you want to be in five years? What's that look like? What's the steps that I can help you get there? And that's a big, it's a big deal in developing I people. wish the listening audience could see your body language. You're so precise and so meaning, meaningful in, in, the terms of the, in the terms of the way you're presenting that. What's the website address of this organization? It's learningtree.com. Learningtree.com. We've been speaking with Richard Spires, CEO of Learning Tree International here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. And we'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. Want to help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars, and some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. Back, you're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Joe Saunders, founder and CEO of RunSafe Security. Joe, what is RunSafe Security? RunSafe Security is a cybersecurity company, and we're protecting critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. And uh, where are you from originally? So I grew up in a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, called Livonia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. How many brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest of uh, six kids in my family. Uh-huh. What was the effect of you growing up the youngest of six? Uh, well, two things. One, uh, you know, my parents, uh, you know, didn't have many rules for me by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also then I had, you know, so some older siblings and, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, examples that they, you know, demonstrated. So I had expectations. Mm-hmm. What kind of sports were you into 8 to 14? I was a, a swimmer and a baseball player, uh, but tell swimming was my main sport. Swimming was your main sport. And, and tell us about what was your what personality trait did you bring to the swim team? So, you know, obviously swimming is an intense sport and a lot of commitment, um, but I also brought a spirit. I was kind of known as the the team cheerleader as well. What do you mean? 
Well, uh, so you you know, I, I tried to um, you know uh, lead by example as a swimmer, but also then take an interest in the other swimmers and and led a lot of the cheers for their events and their their uh, competitions. Did you mention there was one specific event you mentioned where um, you were about to win and something happened? Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so when I was a junior in high school, uh, I, I had pretty high expectations of what I would accomplish and was actually uh, winning the race in the, in the state finals, going into the final lap, and then uh, three other kids passed me on the last lap. Uh huh. So how'd that make you feel, and what happened the next year? Well, there were two things. One, uh, you know, motivated me to work really hard for the next year to try to try to come out on top. Uh, but the other one was when I didn't come out on top the next year, um, my dad was still really proud of me and uh, offered, you know, that he was proud of all the effort I put into and wasn't so concerned about the outcome. How, how'd that affect you? Well, I do think uh, it put a lot of emphasis on hard work and commitment and, you know, working with other people and not so much, you know, the outcome per se, but but mm-hmm. putting in, you know, extra effort mm-hmm. along the way. And that was what was instilled. Gotcha. Daniel? Yeah. So we've, we've talked a little bit about your siblings growing up, but what did you do differently than, than the rest of your siblings? How did you try and, and separate yourself? Well, uh, so... You know, every one of my siblings had, you know, different effects on me growing up and and had completely different personalities. And so I think the in the end, it was really trying to uh, develop my own personality and what I wanted to be, you know, growing up. Sure. And was your was your dad pretty well known in the town that you grew up in? He was. He happened to be a, a doctor, and he delivered uh, many babies. Uh, so not only all, all the kids I went to school with, but all their parents knew me. So everywhere I went, I was known as, uh, you know, my dad's son. So, so you, you, got, you, got, you got used to um, being looked at. You know, everybody knew who you were, and, you know, you knew you had to behave yourself and not leave any skeletons in the closet. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, you know, there were many times where I think, you know, without having rules as a kid growing up, uh, I still had a lot of reinforcement with everybody around me. And so people knowing me, I couldn't really get uh, in too much trouble, uh, with that, even though I didn't have many rules. And you mentioned that uh, you've got venture capital in the company. So in order for these folks to invest money in you, they had to do, do they, what's called due diligence on you. They had to really investigate you and your background. What was the period of time, which usually takes anywhere between six months and a year, what was the period of time between when you met these folks and they made the investment in the company? So I first met them through introductions from other people who knew me uh, and, and were, um, you know, uh, uh, portfolio companies of Alsop Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really took three months from start to finish. So first meeting to uh, cash in the bank was three what, months. What was the uh, how did they go about finding out about who you were? Uh, so other entrepreneurs uh, introduced me to them, uh, and you know, and then they they really did some deep due diligence quickly. Uh, so it's Elsop Louis Gilman Louis, uh, well known um, from a technology perspective, had a really keen sense of what we were doing at RunSafe. So he it was you were pretty easy to check out, and evidently you had the right people introducing you to the money. And the money thought that these guys were reasonably credible, as well as they were. It was pretty easy to check out. So you you have a pretty stellar reputation. I like to think so, uh, but you know certainly they they did some deep due diligence, and and we had a broader team as well. So they checked Sounds out others. Like but your dad having that uh, the being uh, well known, you know, you learned how to behave yourself. I think uh, Andrew, do you, have, do you have the next question there? Yeah, in in the green room, Joe, we talked about uh, you know this this concept of no rules, no curfews, et cetera, and, and uh, there was an incident. Uh, in eighth grade that I think uh, 
is, is relevant. Do you mind telling that story? Well, I remember so well there was the, the summer amusement uh, activities and, and uh, you know, all the amusement rides. Uh, but I decided to stay out until 11 o'clock as a 13-year-old uh, and then walked home. And my mom was scared to death. She had no idea who I was or where I was. Uh, what, did, what did you learn from, from that experience as an effect on you today? It was communication, uh, you know, and it really learned that there was a boundary around, you know, no rules. It was communicating with others and, and uh, you know, staying in touch. Uh, and so it wasn't meant I could just go off and do whatever I wanted. I so just, despite no rules, you had to create some rules. Too. There was accountability and expectations, and mm-hmm. oftentimes those weren't even, you know, said out loud, but I learned that, you know, through that interaction. Mark. What uh, event or activity are you most proud of as a child? Uh, so I'd say, you know, participating in the in the swim team. We were uh, league champs and, and uh, you know, many, many kind of wins as, as a team. Uh, but uh, it really was kind of a team sport. A lot of people think about swimming as individual sports, mm-hmm. but it was the collective team effort uh, through all the practices and all the hard work. Do you feel somewhat the same way with your company? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, we've got a great group of people, um, and we, we all have, play our different roles. Uh, we have a common set of goals that we're striving for. Alex? So <clears throat> you were very deep in the swimming. What else were you doing in high school that was taking up a lot of time? So I was uh, heavily involved in math programs and, and uh, uh, playing chess uh, and part of the math club and, and different activities like that. And I was also part of the, the student leadership programs and things like that. But the, the things that resonated me with were the chess and the math programs. In the green room, you talked about frameworks. C- can you talk a little bit more about that that came out of you being so analytical? Yeah, so being analytical, uh, I usually thought through things as kind of systems and not just, you know, transactions, if you will. So I really build, you know, um, you know, think about programs and building companies as multifaceted and building frameworks for success as much as, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, individual things. So that certainly helped you. You shared a funny anecdote about uh, where your frameworks didn't exactly help. Can you, you expound a little on that? So my wife had multiple job offers uh, coming out of law school, and I made a decision matrix for her that had many variables and many law firms, and I circled the right answer, and she said, uh, you know, she doesn't make decisions that way. <laughs> so what, did, what did you learn from her response, and how have you applied it to being a leader? Yeah, I mean, uh, so you, you don't want to just come up with the answer. You need to kind of work with others to gain input. <laughs> Dwayne? Uh, when you were young, how did you first make money, and was it anything different from your from your peers? Well, it spun out of uh, my dad having expectation I, I uh, shovel our own driveway, um, and so I ended up um, shoveling a lot of driveways. Mm-hmm. So you ended up shoveling a lot of driveways, and I understand that you wanted to buy a, you wanted a device to give you a hand with that. What was that? Well, uh, being the youngest, I, I shoveled our own driveway from about age 8 to 18. Mm-hmm. And so every year I asked my dad for a, um, a, a snowblower. So what happened? Well, uh, you know, he, every year he said no. And then my first year, or first semester back from college, uh, he had a brand new snowblower in his garage. So did you ask him why? I asked him why, and he said he never needed one uh, prior to this. <laughs> and so that was my first lesson in sales. And when you, uh, when, you were, uh, when you were shoveling snow, was it just your place, or did you do the neighbors as well? Uh, so my dad taught me, um, you know, how to be really uh, complete about shoveling a driveway. So the neighbors ended up uh, asking me to do their driveways as well. What do you I mean he showed you how to be complete what are you talking about well it's a it's it's kind of embarrassing to admit but uh you know we had to go beyond the curb and expand out and make sure there was room for the the mailman at the mailbox and everything else so he had an expectation of how it was done and i think everyone else appreciated doing you know the entire sidewalk 
uh-huh. and everything What's else. that have to do with building a business? Uh, well, obviously having a, you know, a, a good framework, number one, but number two, going a little bit beyond when you're serving your customers. So not just at the end of the, the driveway, but going beyond the driveway. Is that a personality trait of yours, or am I making that up? Uh, I think it is. I think uh, What is? Well, it's a commitment to do, you know, 110% ultimately. Uh, and so that's a good example of Isn't it. Isn't that the reason you remembered the problem when you were swimming and you thought you were going to win and you didn't win was because you weren't prepared and you like being overprepared for stuff? Yeah. And I worked extra hard the next year. So absolutely. Uh-huh. And what's that have to do with building a business? Relate that to the business again? Well, obviously, a lot of hard work to get things right. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, going going above and beyond uh, what you deliver for the customer so that uh, they're successful. Do you, so you try to deliver to your customers more than what they expect? Yeah, we try to align expectations, uh, you know, with what we can do and what they can do and, you know, and exceed them ultimately. Uh-huh. What's the website address of Runsafe Security? Runsafesecurity.com. Let me have that one more time. Runsafesecurity.com. We've been speaking with Joe Saunders, founder and CEO of Runsafe Security. Mark, can you give us a rundown of who else we've had the opportunity of hanging out with? Sure. Today we had Corey Neal, president of K. Neal Truck and Bus Center, Matt Kaywood, CEO of Transit Screen, Richard Spires, CEO of Learning Tree International, and Joe Saunders, founder and CEO of RunSafe Security. Excellent. Uh, I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including Mark Haas, Association for Enterprise Growth, Andrew Howard, Howard Insurance, Daniel Patterson, Brunch Digital, Dwayne Deason, the Efficacy Group, and Alex Bartholomew's People Stretch for giving me a hand structuring the questions he'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a radio show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, it's executiveleadersradio.com. To learn more about our executive leaders, thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.